This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese and excited to be once again joined by Jeff Abercrombie. Jeff, welcome back. Part four of our Dynasty Ranking Series. If anybody has missed the first three parts, make sure you check them out. Jeff, we're talking tight ends tonight. How are you doing this evening? Good, good. Actually, tight ends, one of my favorite football positions. Love what they do and and the versatile nature. So really excited to talk about tight ends. And just I know we've kind of it's been it's good to be able to actually coordinate now and, and get on the air together. Absolutely. And yeah, tight ends are are so fascinating because they really do come in all shapes, sizes, and forms. Their roles from one guy to another guy are so different. What the offensive coordinator and the coaches ask of them is so unique and different. Guys get an opportunity. Some schemes and some teams really make use of the tight end. Other teams and schemes, not as much. So there's so much that goes into it. But we also do know it's a very touchdown-dependent you know, position in terms of fantasy football. A lot of guys kind of live in that three for 30, four for 40 range. And if they get a touchdown, it's a great week. If they don't, it's a mediocre week. And that's kind of the world we live in, you know, so doing these rankings, I actually, we've, we've done three shows now. I actually thought the tight end rankings were the easiest of the four. Now I'm not saying it was, not saying it was so easy because there were some pivoted points that I really thought could go a lot of different ways. But in terms of the difficult of, of the quarterback ranks, the running back and the wide receivers, I felt the tight ends was easier to do it in that regard than those other positions. Obviously, you do have you did have some questions about, you know, the older guys compared to the new guys or the middle, the me, the medium age guys, and kind of sort out what you're looking for. Again, I do still think it goes into are you a contender? Is it a startup? You know, where are you in a rebuild process? And obviously at right at the top, we'll, we'll start talking about some guys and that'll kind of touch upon that point like that, depending on what you're looking for and what you want over the next couple of years, that kind of probably helps you dictate what the top four of your rankings look like. Anything from your perspective, Jeff, in terms of obstacles or challenges or what you found a little bit difficult maybe about ranking the tight ends did you see it like me that it was a little bit maybe easier relative to the other three positions yeah it's easier mostly because there's probably six or eight guys that you feel pretty certain that they should be up there and i would say again like a couple more guys that you feel um opti- like you feel pretty good about being optimistic over so that, that gets you down to about 10 or so names that you know if you're trying to fill out your top 12 um that's not too bad I, I think after that it's sort of a sea of a lot of names that nobody tends to fret over too much any anywhere between tight end 11 12 13 down to tight end 24 you know they all kind of fit the same role um, either an upside guy or, or a, you know, a plug-in sort of a low-end plug-and-play kind of fill in, fill in for a week. Um, so, so it's you don't you know you don't have to sweat too much over over those little differences. I think the hardest one for me um, is a little bit of what what you alluded to is is what approach you take 
you know, when it comes to, and, and I alluded to this on our wide receiver show, the elite producers, such as Travis Kelsey versus the, the guys that I think could um, come in and provide you a lot longer, more stable, high-end production. And, and that was just sort of really difficult because you mentioned that you tend to take a startup approach to your rankings. And I don't know where I would take Travis Kelsey in a startup. That it's just, is he have one, two, three, four years? I, I really don't know when those wheels will fall off just because the age is up there already, but he doesn't have any signs of slowing down. And it's just, it's just a really ambiguous situation. And I just, it's really hard to know where to slot that in. So that, that was the hardest part for me. Yeah. And you kind of, you kind of hit upon the number that I wanted to bring up for me. I had a clear eight and then honestly, I can rank nine through 19 every day and I would get a different ranking. And that's God's honest truth right now. Not one through eight. I may mix it up here or there, but they would be the same eight names. 100%. If I make, if I redo my dynasty tight end rankings from now until the day the football season starts about a month out from now, it would be the same eight names in one through eight and nothing except a, a catastrophic injury between now and the season starting would change that in terms of those top eight. But from nine to 19, there is no, <laughs> there is no clarity from my perspective from nine to 19. You had some solid guys, you had upside guys, you had guys that haven't fulfilled potential, you have guys who are maybe on the verge of being in a more prominent role uh, relative to guys who maybe had a breakout year last year, but you know, I think I tend to be thinking it's a little bit on the fluky side. Like, so there's this wide range of guys, nine through nineteen for me, that really can be shuffled up in any which way. And that seems to kind of about right. If you think about it, even in a redraft setting, right? You kind of have seven or eight guys every year that you can rely on to be tight end ones. And then the rest of the guys week to week, it's really just who scores the touchdown. And there's usually like 10 to 12 guys, which is why if you don't get one of the top guys, usually it's like, you know, take a couple upside guys, stream the position because it really is this wide, wide range. And I felt like in the dynasty rankings, it was very much a similar feel to how I think about tight ends in a redraft league where after those top seven or eight, it really is very much similar in terms of the players for like a large group of guys. And that's how I kind of felt here. So, so why don't I get right into it? I'll share my rankings first Uh, at number one, I had Kyle Pitts, the Ute, the the natural talents. If I was doing a startup, he'd be my guy, and I would ride that wave of hopefully 10, 12 years of dominance in an offense now that he's going to, I think, be one of the focal points of Calvin Ridley. Number two, Darren Waller. Number three, George Kittle. Number four, Travis Kelsey. As we you alluded to, again, I'm making my ranks as this is a startup. If I'm a contender, I am not trading Travis Kelsey for anybody, any other tight end. I'm not trading him for Kyle Pitts. I'm not trading for Darren Waller. I'm not trading him for George Kittle. If I'm a contender and I want to win this year or next year or I have a two-year or three-year window, I would not come off of Travis Kelsey. Number five is Mark Andrews. Number six is TJ Hawkinson. Number seven is Dallas Goddard. Number eight is Noah Fant. That is kind of my significant you know, teardrop. I would say the top four is one tier. The next four is a second tier for me. Uh, I think 
inside that, there probably could be Andrews and Hawkinson in their own tier, and then Goddard and, and Fan kind of be like they're either 2B or, or separate third tier. But after that, then opens up that avenue of, for me, I have the upside of Irv Smith Jr. at number nine. I have the, the Patriots guys back-to-back here, Hunter Henry and Joe New Smith, 10 and 11, because I, I really believe in their talent. It's to be determined how this is going to – are they going to take so much away from each other that they're going to be hard to, you know, be fantasy viable? I don't know, but I, I, I do like both of those guys. And then number 12, I have Evan Ingram. I think this might be his last year in New York. I still believe in the talent, and I still am under the belief that he could still be a low tight end one to high tight end two this year with more attention on Kenny Galladay, the return of Saquon Barkley, you know, when he's been asked to be the focal point, it's clear he's not that guy. But I think the the supporting cast around could open things up for Evan Ingram a little bit. And then next year, he could be on a new team that maybe maximizes the, the skill set that I, I think Evan Ingram still has. Uh, so that's kind of my top 12. I don't think anything that super surprised me would be the fact that I do have Kelsey at four. And it was very hard for me to differentiate between Waller and Kittle. I ended up settling on Waller just because the lack of other weapons in that Vegas offense and for the fact that George Kittle is a premier, premier blocking tight end. Uh, you know, so there could just be a little bit more opportunity for Darren Waller. So that combined with less high end talents to feed targets was why I went Waller over Kittle. So I think when I initially thought this, I thought Kittle would be ahead of Waller, so that surprised me a little bit. Jeff, thoughts on your top 12 and then maybe what surprised you, and then we'll kind of have some back and forth in terms of uh, what my thoughts were in terms of how I set up the top four compared to you and some other things. Okay, that sounds good. Um, I'll add a, just a little bit with with each name in case we don't get a chance to talk to any about any of them in depth. But at, at the top for me is George Kittle, mostly because I'm just a major fan of his game. You mentioned the blocking skills, but I, I don't think that tends to detract from fantasy production too much. He still gets targeted the most on that team. The offense still runs through him, um, and he's not he, he's at a young enough age that I don't feel like I'm I need to ding him too much which is why Travis Kelsey comes in at number two for me um like I mentioned at the top of the show it'd be really hard to know where I'd take him in a startup you know this is sort of rankings with the mindset of maybe a two to three year window and I still think you could probably count on Kelsey for at least two of those years and at number one difference maker at the position you know value so he's he's still highly valuable to me uh, at number two. And then Darren Waller just kind of right behind him at number three for very similar reasons, especially like you said, as far as uh, the, you know, the focal point of the offense, just vacuuming up targets. Um, really nice to, you know, just really good story. Um, so love to see him, you know, taking the league by storm. Kyle Pitts, um, I don't have any problem with you ranking him number one especially if you're, ta- you're talking startup and everything like that. He's number four for me. And I go back and forth between putting him up in a tier with those other top three or or kind of back a little bit with, um, you know, the Hawkinsons and, and whatnot. And the biggest question there for me is, you know, I, 
I feel we have enough reason to believe that he's going to be a transcendent talent at the position that we just haven't seen before, or, or, you know, that you see Kelsey just in a young athletic frame, but there's also just, I think we talk about it in our other shows, um, other probabilities that could happen. And, you know, and if, if he could be Evan Ingram and get the best rookie tight end of all time, but maybe fade away for a couple of years and not take the step after that. Or, you know, I think one of the ones that I would like to to roll back to is actually Vernon Davis, you know, a hyper athletic freak who came out to San Francisco, took a little while, was a great tight end, but was never one of those ones that you would have really put up in that, that tier of the other top three. So there's just, he bounces back and forth for me, depending on how optimistic I feel. And I would be willing to take a shot. I don't have a problem with him at number one, but because of the certainty of those other guys and my two to three year window, he's number four. And um, I'm also really optimistic about TJ Hawkinson. A common thread here is focal point of the offense. He's the focal point of Detroit. So TJ Hawkinson is number five for me. Mark Andrews is number six. Again, guys that could lead their team in targets. And then I've been a really big fan of Dallas Godert. I've been waiting for years for him to break out. I, you know, Ertz might still be there this, this year. That might delay it one more year. But it looks like he's taking on the lead role for Philly. And so, well, this will be a big year. Hopefully it's his breakout. But uh, so he's at seven for me and with optimism. And Noah Fance at number eight. Um, again, just a really supreme athlete some questions between you know the offense there but that's why he's down at eight but i think he's a really good talent and you're right i think a little bit of a tear break i might nudge evan ingram up there i mentioned he had a great rookie season he's not been used great last year um we don't know what his future holds we don't know if you know a little bit more health and other weapons in that offense will maybe you know prevent him from seeing quite as many looks and targets. So he's down there at number nine. And then the definitive tier break after that for me, Irv Smith Jr. is my number 10. I like the upside. I like hearing that he's a red zone target. I am a little bit worried about the frame. I don't know if that's going to be able to let him jump into the next level, but it will all depend on creative usage. To round out my top 12, I have Mike Gesicki at 11 and Robert Tunyon at 12. Those are new names, but I do think we'll talk about them later. So maybe just one surprising name. Uh, actually, I, I think that surprising name would be Robert Tunyon, but uh, I think we could talk a little bit more um, when we, you know, a little bit later when we talk about our differences in his rank for us. I like the bold call of having Hawkinson over Andrews. I think that's where we're going. So I, I think I didn't have enough guts to do it yet, but I think by the end, by the middle of this year, we're going to start to see. I think Hawkinson might have a little bit more natural talent than than Mark Andrews. Obviously, Mark Andrews has been a better player so far in the NFL, better offense. But I, I like Hawkinson's game. I think he's going to take that next step. I also find it interesting that we both have Dallas Goddard ahead of Noah Fant. I'm not sure the community feels the same, but I do have some question marks about Noah Fant, to be honest with you. I had him coming out. I still have them about his route refinement, his route development. He's going to have to be based pure on athleticism, and maybe that's good enough to make him a factor at the position. 
but I, I think it's going to be a little bit to be determined uh, there yet. But I like some of your calls. And yeah, I think the way you have the top of it, I think is a very justifiable thing that a lot of other people would have it. You know, a question I know we want to talk about is there a specific age where you start to get a little bit concerned? And for me personally, you know, and I'd like to hear your feedback as well. Like, I don't have a specific age because we've seen certain guys. We've seen Jason Witten last for a really long time, being a high-end tight end one. We saw Antonio Gates last very long. We saw Tony Gonzalez. So it's not uncharted territory for the really great tight ends in the history of the game to be really good well into their 30s. You know, and then we've seen other guys start to fall off. I mean, Zach Ertz two years ago was still considered great, right? And now here we are, and he's not that old, right? Off the top of my head, I think Zach Ertz is 30. Don't hold me to that. But he's definitely not well into his 30s. He might even be younger than, I think he's definitely younger than Travis Kelsey. So the fact that, you know, he has fallen off a cliff and I don't think he's going to get it back. Right. So it's not a one size fits all. There's enough comp historical comps of guys lasting. So I don't want to put a hard line on. This is what I think Travis Kelsey has left because if he does, if he can last as long as some of those other guys, Gonzalez, Witten, Gates, then the truth is he probably should be one for both of us, right? If we knew we were going to get four or five more elite level Travis Kelsey years with Patrick Mahomes, then we probably take that over anything. The start of Kyle Pitts's career and five more years of beyond, you know, Travis, uh, George Kittle, Darren Waller, you know, but we don't really know. And that's what I was saying before. I wouldn't trade, if I was a contender, I wouldn't trade Travis Kelsey for anybody just because if I was in it to win it right now, I, I'd, I'd just keep letting that out. Kelsey is not a guy I'd want to be, I'd want to sell one year early. I'd rather sell one year late because I don't think he's going to fall off a cliff and be useless. Even when he falls off, he'll still probably be like a mid to low end tight end one before maybe like he eventually, you know, falls off to, you know, less than that. So, you know, I don't have a specific age. Do you kind of feel the same way or do you kind of have an age where you start to get a little bit more concerned? So I think just the interesting aspect to to what you're talking about is, you know, the the precedences of guys like Tony Gonzalez and Antonio Gates, uh, Jason Witten, we could talk about a little bit too. I think he was a very different profile, where a very much of a possession, you know, volume driven tight end. I, I think Gonzalez and Gates might be um, better ones to talk about from a historical perspective. And uh, I, I I think um, the one thing that I worry about is is again towards the end of their careers, they they weren't the same dynamic playmaker that, that you would see maybe a, a Travis Kelsey be. So maybe you'll see a transition with Travis Kelsey go from, you know, an, a, an efficient, you know, big play guy who can get down the seam, who can, who can get a little, you know, run after the catch, who, you know, really good contested catch guy to, you know, maybe more of a security blanket volume driven. Um, maybe he won't, sit on the top of rankings anymore where guys like Waller and Kittle, you know, a couple years younger will take over that mantle until maybe Kyle Pitts gets there. And so, you know, I think the, the tough part for me is, you know, and, and I think I alluded to it when I said I have Pitts ranked at, at number four is we just don't know if these guys will be able to, you know, be 
be that much better, be so much more superior to the rest of their peers, right? Like we're making calls that Pitts and Hawkinson probably could be, maybe, maybe Godert, maybe Andrews, maybe it's Fant, you know, and we're, we're a little bit wrong, but we we're there's, there's some guesswork there. There's some projection there. And a lot of times they may not hit that. And so I might take the certainty of the elite high-end production. Like you said, I wouldn't trade Travis Kelsey as a contender because you just, you know what you're getting for the next two years. And, and so obviously it's, a, it's very context dependent. And that's why I said it's really hard in a startup is if you're looking for maybe the three to five year mindset, just to build a strong foundation for your team, you know, to build upon over the next several years. I, I would probably just say, you know, again, if I had to throw an age at it, and I think you're right, you probably wouldn't just say, hard, fast age, you know, when they're 31 or they're 32, they're, they're done. And I think we're getting a little bit more nuanced on that in other positions like wide receiver and even running back with guys like Derek Henry. But I, you know, I'd probably say around then, you know, expect really good elite production, maybe to your early thirties. Um, and not that they won't fall off a cliff, you know, they, they might like Zach Ertz. Again, we're talking about different, archetypes of players between Zach Ertz and Travis Kelsey. Again, very possession type um, that Ertz is now in his career. Um, but it's a, I think it's a fascinating conversation because, you know, if I were in a startup draft, w- would I take TJ Hawkinson over Travis Kelsey? Because I, I, I think with Hawkinson, he can be, if um, maybe Mark Andrews, is the next Darren Waller. I think TJ Hawkinson can be the next George Kittle. His blocking is elite. He is the offense will funnel through him. He's going to get as many targets as possible. He's great with his hands. I just, I think he's on that trajectory. And so if I feel that confident, if I feel really bold about it, and I think maybe if they stabilize that situation in Detroit, they get a good quarterback. Like, do we see that type of trajectory? TJ Hawkinson's so much younger. Like, could you get, five years of, you know, top end, top three production from them. It's just, it's one of those ones that I find really difficult, especially when you consider the costs that you have to, to bake in when you take them in a startup, right? Yeah. I mean, I think those are really good points. And I know for me, I'd probably just try to like avoid that situation, right? And picking between them, you know what I mean? Like I'd probably pivot to a different spot, right? And then if I like Hawkinson, you know, and I do like Hawkinson and obviously you like him even a tad more than me. It might be one of those instances where, where you have to take, where you would have to take Kelsey. You probably wouldn't be thinking Hawkinson yet. So you'd probably pass on Kelsey and kind of wait, wait your turn for Hawkinson maybe. So it's one of those things that like, it might be one of those things where you kind of just pivot to a different position where maybe there isn't that age versus production versus upside, you know, that kind of hovering over two specific guys like we're talking about here, whether we're talking Hawkinson to Kelsey or Pitts to Kelsey. Uh, I think that could be a way that somebody could approach it in a startup. Going back to, yeah, if I was going to put an age on it, I'd probably say 32 is when I at least start to consider the possibility of a, of a downturn, consider it like, unlike for running backs, we start considering it at like 28, you know what I mean? Like I think t- wide receivers, it's like 30, 31, we start considering it, but for tight ends, I think it's the first, you know, besides quarterback, that's a separate animal. But I think 
in terms of the tight end compared to the running backs and the wide receivers, I would not be overly concerned about it till the latest of, of that. And if something happens like Zach Ertz, then so be it. But I think there's enough historical. But I think what you said is really important. Understanding who they were as a player in their prime and is there room for them to lose some athleticism, which is natural, but still be a high-end player, right? And we sort out with Gates. We sort out with Gonzalez. Yeah, Witten was never an explosive athlete, but even as he got older, he just was even less athletic, but he still was it. These guys were able to transition and still be good high-end fantasy tight end ones. A guy like Zach Ertz won a particular way, and I guess like it, it looked like maybe he can go the way of Jason Witten, but I think what Jason Witten did was very hard to do to play with the lack of athleticism for most of his career and be so good. It's hard to lose a little bit and still be good. And I think that's what we kind of saw with Zach Ertz. So I think in the back of our mind, we kind of keep that a little bit in focus that a average athlete, maybe we start to get concerned a little bit earlier, but a high end athlete, maybe we can stretch it out to 32, 33 before we get overly concerned because even if they lose a little bit, it still could be made up if we use those historical comps like Gonzalez and Gates that were still be able, high-end guys who are able to lose some and still be productive. It's a really interesting conversation. I'm kind of glad we kind of dug in a little bit because I think it gives people some perspective, you know, on on the tight end position and the uniqueness that comes with it uh, and maybe to, what to look for in terms of guys slowing down and if they slow down a little bit, can they still be a high-end asset? And I think we got into that a little bit here, which I thought was a good conversation. Uh, why don't we talk about some some differences? I talked a little bit before about the New England guys. I I believe in their talents. I think Jonu Smith, I think, is a really athletic guy who just wasn't in a different environment than Tennessee. I think we could have really seen him been a, a top-level guy on and be in that conversation of where a guy like Noah Fant was, even though he was drafted later than him. And Hunter Henry, you know, I'm a big Hunter Henry fan. And if he didn't sign with New England and he stayed with the Chargers, my guess is I have him before Goddard and Fant right now. So it was tough for me to how much to drop him down, considering if he stayed with the Chargers, I probably would have had him, you know, as my you know, my seventh guy. And then I dropped him down to 10 because I still believe in the talent. I feel like Belichick and McDaniel, you know, McDaniels are going to have a plan for these guys to, to, to take advantage of their unique skill sets. I don't know how it's going to look yet. I think one of them is definitely going to be a tight end one. Can the other one also be, I think that's to be determined, but I like them both enough to keep them up there for me. On your perspective, was it, this is too hard of a situation to figure out what's going to happen. So I want to put them low enough in my rankings. I'd rather take more certainty, more, I know locked in target share and opportunity until I kind of see how that sorts itself out. For me, it's just, I actually really like both players and aside from Gronk Hernandez, which is maybe what people will parallel to. I think that's a little bit excessive, but we haven't seen, two tight ends really thrive in a single system before. And so I think they're just going to cannibalize each other just a tad, right? I, I think there's 
roles for both of them. I think there's going to be, they're both going to have their places in the scheme. I like, I actually have Johnny Smith higher because I think with his athleticism, there's a bit more upside for, you know, bigger plays, more game breaking options, you know, used in a, a more multitude of ways. I, I think we saw some, some backfield reps where he's maybe, you know, obviously, you know, he's a tight end. We'd love him to get thrown the ball, but you know, whether he's used around on like a sweep or a carrier, you know, a fullback dive kind of thing. Um, he's such a versatile piece that I'm a little bit more optimistic that he can transcend the situation a little bit better, but they both got signed at deals. They both got signed. I'll get locked in there. And I just don't know that there's enough meat on the bone for either of them to, you know, really take a step forward and, like some of these other guys could. Um, I think they're safer, um, you know, as far as just the talents that they are, the ability that they'll, that they're going to get some looks each. But Hunter Henry, you know, I had been a huge fan of his. I think he'd previously been a top, you know, five or six tight end in, in my eyes in Dynasty. And, you know, he never really took a, a step forward as a premier target, a premier guy. I, I think he kept kind of kept around 600 yards or so. He kept being that outlet, that security blanket, but never, you know, garnered. And maybe it was the offense in, as you know, in, in LA slash San Diego, where he was with Keenan Allen and Eckler, but he, he never really took over as a primary target either for Philip rivers or for Justin Herbert. And so I just don't know that he's going to be that kind of guy. Um, and it's the same thing with John Smith. He didn't, you know, there was plenty of opportunity for him to be a, a second number two target, whether it was with only Corey Davis in the mix as the, their top target or, or since AJ Brown as, as their top target the past two years, there's room for John Smith to, to take on a, a stronger role. And, and they were, you know, he was on the field plenty, you know, with Arthur Smith there. And he just, you know, I think I, I have a little bit of a belief that talent demands targets. And it's not that these guys aren't talented. It's just that I don't think they're transcendent to the point where the office offense will run through them. I think this, with the both of them, Belichick will be creative and they'll both get looks schemed in. But I just don't think either will be enough to merit a top 12 ranking for me. Yeah, and I think that's legitimate questions. And if they at some point get a legitimate number one type wide receiver, I think that's only going to damper expectations a little bit. Right now, I kind of look at that depth chart and I think to myself, like, I know it sounds weird, but it could it be that those two are in the, could they be one and two in terms of targets? I doubt it. I'm sure a wide receiver will merge, whether it's Aguilar, whether it's Jacoby Myers, whatever the case may be. But on pure talent alone, I think they're their most two, you know, best, you know, pass catchers. Now it would be weird for a team to have two tight ends as their top two targets. So I don't think it's going to happen. But it'll be interesting to kind of see how it plays out. Is Belichick trying to, you know, zig or zag when everyone else is doing the other thing? I don't know. Uh, and this is a weird instance for me because we've done four shows now, and I've been 
you know, I've been more shooting for upside more than steady, you know, and in this case, I just want to bring him up here. I'm looking at my rankings now and, you know, for me and the way I've been ranking, I look at my rankings and I'm surprised that when I did this, I had Adam Trapman at 14 and I had the New England guys at 10 and 11 because I do think if we fast forward for Andrew in 65 days, I think there's a real chance that Adam Trapman's closing in on the that Noah Fan, Dallas Goddard, or Smith range next year if he has a good year this year like I expect. But there's so much uncertainty with him. Low-level college. I just didn't have enough guts to do it. So in this instance, I took a little bit of the safety of the New England guys and put them over a guy like Adam Trapman, who I am really high on for all forms of, of fantasy this year. So I thought it was this interesting in my own perspective here, not realizing it until we were talking on air here. Another guy I think is kind of unique, and I have him at 12, you have him at 9, and I've, I like to go after I made my rankings, kind of look what's out there in the industry, not just the expert consensus rankings, but specific sites that I really you know, are big fans of, of what they do. And there's a lot of people that have Evan Ingram buried in their dynasty tight end rankings, 17, 18, 20. You know, I know the consensus came out at 14. Maybe it's I've watched every snap he's played as a as an NFL player. I want to believe that we're about to see that breakout. I, me and Matt loved him here at Saturday to Sunday. We wanted him. We thought his talent was elite level talent. We were ecstatic when the Giants drafted him. And it's just been a roller coaster of ups and then a lot of disappointments that I think has waned me a little bit in terms of I don't know if he belongs, you know, even as high as I put him or higher where you put him. And I still believe it's in there, but it might take another team to truly unlock that talent and that upside. And I think that's where we kind of got to wait it out a little bit. Is it for you that early production plus just the natural raw talents that still keep him as high for you uh, compared to so many in the industry who aren't? Yeah. It, early production is great. I mean, he showed that he could do it. Um Again, it's you know it's sort of the talent embodying it into the stats, but um, I do think you know part of what what is baked in there for me is the optimism that either they're going to change the system in New York, um, or you know with you know I think we've talked about that with Kadarius Tony, or you know you're either going to get creative or or you're going to dump Jason Garrett, right? So, um, but it's just a, sort of maybe the optimism that you know, he might find a new spot somewhere and it's not a guarantee, but hopefully, you know, he could go to a system with a coach that understands, you know, a better way to use them. I mean, than you know, five yard curls, right? Like I just, I, you know, a lot of another thing that gets like thrown around with Ingram is the drops. I, I, I threw out a tweet this this morning about it too. You know, if we if drops aren't going to matter for Deontay Johnson, should we really be holding them against Evan Ingram? You know, especially if you know he's being asked to do things that that's not in his natural wheelhouse of you know running up the seam, stretching the field, you know, catching you know catching between the safeties and and sort of putting stress on linebackers. You know, it, are we really just trying to run them underneath some zone coverage and drop him five yards and then ask him to do, you know, what Saquon Barkley does. I, I think that's just not fair. 
So for me, it's just a little bit more optimism of what he could be. Um, a hundred, you know, will he probably get a hundred targets again this year? I, I don't think that's unrealistic and it's really hard to project anybody else to get that many. So I still think he's going to be valuable for fantasy. Um, those targets are what I look for. Um, hopefully he does a little bit more with them this year than he did last year. And I think that again, will just kind of depend on if he's used a little bit better or not. Yeah. I mean, as a Giants fan, I hope, I hope, uh, your take is is the one we see and he finally puts it together because I'd love to see him stay in with the Giants. I'd love to see him get a contract extension because, you know, unless he had a monster year, it would probably be a reasonable number. I think he's still a weapon. You know, I like the combination of him and Kyle Rudolph. I think they complement each other really well. So I, I, I'm hoping, you know, that we see a little reemergence of him and maybe being asked to be less of the focal point of the offense actually opens up more opportunity for him to make bigger plays plays uh with Galladay there and some of these other guys so it'd be interesting so why don't we why don't we go into a little rapid fire here to kind of close out the night a couple guys that we had different perspectives on relative to ECR were Mike Gusecki and Robert Tanyan you had them much closer to ECR Gusecki at 11 Tanyan at 12 ECR on Gusecki was 9 11 on Tanyan I was a little further down Gusecki at 16 and Tanyan at 19 going back to my first point of Nine to nineteen. Tanya was that cutoff point where there was not much separation for me between nine and nineteen. I could rank them in a lot of different ways. For me, the Gasecki concern is really twofold. And then uh my one concern about Tanya, and then you chime in as well. For me, my concern about Gasecki was he mostly was exclusively a slot wide receiver last year, basically. He barely played tight end. They mostly he he was mostly lined up as as a slot wide receiver. Miami has made upgrades at the position, right? They now have Will Fuller, they have Devontae Parker, and then they took Jalen Waddell. So I think right off the bat, Gasecki loses that opportunity to be like a, their slot wide receiver. And then other, and maybe even more concerning, is they invested in a tight end, you know, who some people, you know, do like, and some people, you know, you know, were higher on him than, than even me, you know, taking Hunter Long out of Boston College, who's a little bit more of a balanced guy, not just a pass catcher like Gusecki. So those two things, if Waddle's going to play a lot in the slot, that pushes Gusecki, you know, off of that. And then the investment in the tight end has me a little bit concerned. Is he there for the long haul? Does he lose some opportunity and targets as they upgraded the position at pass catchers with Fuller, with Jalen Waddle, and another tight end? And then for Tanyan, is it a little bit of a one-year fluke? He was so touchdown dependent. I think it's really hard to assume he's going to see that many touchdowns, you know, and without those touchdowns, you know, he wouldn't have been the producer he was last year. Couple that with the Aaron Rodgers concern of him not being there after a year puts him at that back end of that nine to 19 range for me, which I do understand could be very much shuffled in a variety of ways in a world where Tanya and Gusecki are much higher for me, my concerns I had on them kept them a little bit further back. Jeff thoughts on Tanya and Gusecki. Gusecki has uh, improved every single year, uh, you know, in through his third year and you know, I, I hear your points on the slot receiver, but and that's sort of the position he sort of flexed out to play. But, you know, will defenses try to defend him as a slot receiver? You know, he's still potentially going to be able to be used that way as a mismatch. 
Um, again, there's athletic tools there, right? So, so I just, I think when it comes to tight ends, that gives you a lot of upside. I certainly, he could be one of the ones that I'd be worried really tumble down the ranks in lieu of a guy that, you know, might rise like Adam Troutman. So, you know, I, I, there's a lot of risk in that ranking, uh, at 11 for me, but, you know, until he sort of stalls or takes a step back, you know, I'll, I'll kind of leave him in my tight end one area for Tanyan. You're right. It's really hard to decouple, you know, his, him and, and Aaron Rodgers, And it's going to be really tricky because I do think we're more likely than not seeing the final year of Rodgers in green Bay, but he's become his number two target. I, I think it's, it's Devonte Adams and then Aaron Jones on the, on the plays where he's, he's a, an option. And then Robert Tunyon is, is sort of his other go-to guy, especially in the red zone, which is one of the reasons we saw a touchdown, massive touchdown projection, but you're right. It, it could really evaporate. I don't expect that touchdown rate in green Bay to, to last this year. Um, and if he doesn't then grow from his breakout last year into um, a bigger, more frequent target, for Aaron Rodgers get to see a lot more looks then then yeah he he'd tumble down quite as well. So I think where I'm seeing Robert Tunyon I I'm buying a little bit into his his sort of workout with George Kittle. I think he has those kind of tools to to be a a mini version of that. He he needs to grow to, into it, right? And I'm hoping that with this year with Rodgers he he takes his game another level and that he could potentially be a focal point for Green Bay maybe when Adams leaves, maybe when Rogers leaves, maybe he has some rapport with love, but, but there's, there's a lot of question marks there. And, you know, I, I could, I think Adam Troutman is also a projection and I wouldn't blame anybody for going that route either. Yeah. I mean, I think your points are all valid. And I think there is, you know, it goes back to those guys in that range, they really can be ranked in so many different ways. Like, you know, if, you know, if someone is a believer in Green Bay for another year and you think Tynion's going to be a tight end one, maybe just take that, right? Take another year and then kind of shuffle the deck and, and kind of figure out the position down the line. And, you know, so there, there's so many ways to kind of take it. And Gusecki has shown improvement from year to year. And maybe if he's not in Miami at some point, what, who's to say we've seen many tight ends go to second places and be more productive. You know, maybe that would be the case for Gasecki and he would even reach greater heights somewhere else. So they, I like Gasecki's natural talent a lot more than I like Tanyan's. So I was a little surprised I had him where I did, but it, those concerns were lingering in my head a little bit, but maybe I'm over, over concerning about the addition of the receivers, the, the draft pick, and maybe like you said, talent dictates targets and maybe Gusecki's just going to dictate that he needs to be one of the focal points, even with the other guys, you know, kind of in town there. Now, a couple, a couple of guys to, to kind of round out a couple of younger guys. I want to make note of me and you are much lower than the consensus on Blake Jarwin. I have him at 31. You have him at 37 ECR of 19 for me coming off an injury. Dalton Schultz is pretty solid. They have three really great wide receivers or good to great wide receivers. You know, 
I think those guys are going to be there for a couple years together. I mean, maybe Gallup could leave after this year, but I think so much of the offense is going to be funneled for C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper. I just don't know how productive Blake Jarwin could be, and I don't think Dalton Schultz is that inferior of a talent than him, so that was my concern. Similar thoughts for you or just not a believer in the talent or just some concerns about the situation there with Jarwin? Spot on. Just I think it's uh, the community might still seem to value him as the, the lead tight end in Dallas, and I just think it's a lot closer than that. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. One, the next guy that mean you have higher is Harrison Bryan of Cleveland. I have him at 22. You have him at 25. ECR at 29. My perspective is I think the Hooper contract is a really bad one. I think maybe he's the starter for one more, and then they see if they can get out of that. Najoku, I don't think, has much of a future in Cleveland. I really like Harrison Bryan. I think he fits in well with that offense and with Baker, and Baker Mayfield. I like the scheme they run there. I think Bryan is a guy that, again, not at the level, because I'm right there with you. I've been a huge Dallas Goddard fan for years. Not at that level of kind of waited, waiting out Dallas Goddard to replace Zach Ertz, but on a 50 to 75% level of that. I'm a believer in Harrison Bryant. Can he get to that? Can he eventually push Austin Hooper either in a reserve role or off the roster? I think he has that in him. I don't think it's this year, but but Harrison Bryant is one of those guys that can come very cheap right now, and I'd love to get him on my roster now and see what happens. Takes on 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 Bryant, anything different add on to what I was saying? Do you like the talent? Do you like maybe the future situation? What is it about Harrison Bryant that had him at 25 for you? Mostly the talent. I really liked his college tape. I thought Cleveland got a steal when they drafted him. Um, he, he just went later than I figured he'd go. I think on top of that, uh, we saw Hooper miss a few games. Bryant came in and he looked really good. Uh, he looked like he was, you know, uh, he was, he looked like a veteran out there. Um, and, and with great rapport with Baker Mayfield. So I do think he's probably the future I don't know about Hooper and when they can get out of that contract or not. Uh, I do think Bryant will end up becoming sort of the pass catching focal point at tight end for them. Yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you in terms of you know that take. I think Bryant does have the capabilities. From where we have a guy ranked, if if you said two years from now who could be closing in on that top twelve, top fifteen, Brian would be one of the guys that I would pick, you know, from down there at that level. And the last guy let's talk about is a rookie, and that's Jacob Harris. Again, some some people might have thought he was drafted as a wide receiver. They drafted him as a tight end. Most of the fantasy sites now either have him as a tight end or wide receiver slash tight end, and that's important. This is a guy that played wide receiver at UCF. A lot of upside, a lot of athleticism. They've moved on from Gerald Everett. Yeah, Tyler Higby's there, and I think he's going to be the guy for a year or two. But there's a lot of upside to Jacob Harris, and I think me and you are buying that upside. I have him at 35. You have him at 28. ECR has him at 61. Talk a little bit about Jacob Harris. Why up there at 28 when the consensus out there is is 60? I mean, ever since he made the – Feldman freak list. He's been on my radar and, and just, I think his athleticism is, you know, breaking the, you know, breaking the percentiles with just what he, he could do um, athletically. 
and he's so raw. So he, he played soccer, right? I think he's only been playing football like two years or something like that. So he's just, he's really, he worked his way in on the UCF program, started special teams, got in there as a wide receiver, made clutch plays, you know, was a, was a big target. I do think it's really interesting to see what his trajectory and, and how he'll play in the NFL. I think it's highly risky. He could very much just not pan out at all. Um, we see that all the time. And so I, you know, again, I'm not really willing to to put him into any consideration for guys that, you know, I'd want to to start on my roster. He's, he's sort of a bottom of the roster sort of taxi squad stash for me, but it's the upside that I'm really, you know, enticed over because, you know, if he is used, I, I think there's questions on how, what the pass catchers will emerge like uh, in in the Rams offense. And I think if McVeigh finds a way to integrate him as, you know, as one of those options, maybe with his skill set, maybe a little bit like Gasecki moving around a bit, slot wide receiver, kind of heavy personnel and then kicking out and getting a mismatch against a linebacker and, and making him the, the go-to target. It's just the upsides there. And I think, you know, he, I don't want him to be buried in my ranking. I want him on my squad and I just want to give it a few years to see where it goes. Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot to add to that. Like, I'm looking at my rankings right now, and we didn't go, we didn't go deep into sharing our rankings. But I'm looking at my rankings now, and I'm already seeing some things that before we put these up on the website, which these are, expect to see these on the website sometime early next week. Is I kind of want to do a comb through one more time, and I'm looking at my tight ends from that. We talked about Harrison Bryan at 22, but I'm looking at like 23 through where I had Jacob Harris at 35, and I'm seeing some adjustments that I kind of want to make in that range, to be honest with you. You know, so those are things that, again, you, to me, there was a clear top eight. There was a big jumble from 19 to 20, uh, from nine to 19 for me. There was a couple guys I really wanted in that 20, 21, 22 range. And then there was this next group of guys from like 23 through 35 that could be mixed and matched. And I kind of see myself adjusting that a little bit. So when these rankings go out, you might even see Jacob Harris more where where Jeff has him for me as well in those in that late 20s range than even where I had him at 35. Because I'm looking at this and to be honest with you, if we're talking about drafting Jacob Harris, you're not drafting him to be a starter. Give me Jacob Harris over Eric Ebron. Give me Jacob Harris and the potential upside over Christopher Herndon like and guys like that. So I'm looking. I think Blake Jarwin will probably move up a little bit. We talked about him before, not to where ECR has him, but maybe a little bit higher than, than 31, maybe in, more into the mid, mid-20s. And some of these rookies like Jacob Harris, Kylan, uh, Kylan Granson has had a really good training camp. He's a guy who really intrigued me on his college film is that move exclusive move tight end. So Kylan Granson could be a guy that also moves up. So I'm definitely going to look through this and make some adjustments, but I love the fact that you want to be aggressive on Harris. Now rank him in a place where you'll know you'll end up on, uh, you'll have him on your roster and then adjust accordingly down the line. I think it's very smart at the tight end position to take shots on athletic pass catchers with upside. Because if they hit, it could be a big hit, right? If they don't hit, and that's very possible as well, then no harm, no foul based on where we have these guys in the rankings. So Jeff, 
There it is. All four positions. Absolutely loved doing this with you. I hope it becomes a staple here. First time through. The feedback's been good. It's a really tough labor to put these together, but I think it's really, they're really important to share them with our listeners. And it's something that I hope we keep every year doing these shows. I'm excited to keep these updated for the, on the website for free from time to time, they will be updated, but then these will also be in the, the new premium notebooks. They will be a part of the rankings notebooks. Now you're going to talk about have rankings for everything. You're going to have dynasty rankings overall. You're going to have dynasty rookie rankings just for this past class years of rookies updated regularly. You're going to have Debbie rankings. You're going to have draft eligible rankings. Eventually you're going to have tiers. And then the next class of dynasty rookie rankings a year out 2022 guys, that's all just in the rankings notebook. That's one of the pre notebooks you get when they launch in September. So Jeff, any parting shots on whether it's the tight end position, whether it's all four shows, anything in terms of that you want to kind of close out here with, obviously make sure you let the audience know where they can find you as well. This series was a blast. Uh, it, it, we got a chance to basically talk through and touch on everything. And, and I think, you know, this, this series is just the start, right? Like these are just the launch of the rankings. And uh, you know, what I'm really looking forward to is, you know, as the season goes on, as, as we learn more, as we, we kind of see whether our assumptions have been true or not, just being able to, to shoot back and forth, talk about these guys and, and maybe, you know, adjust them on the fly and then, and, get back and, and talk through them on a show or something again soon. Um, so really looking forward to that. Um, and uh, yeah, it's again, you know, like we, we said in previous shows, same thing here. Context is really important. You know, if you want to reach out to us, you can find me at the sofa scout, hit me up on Twitter. I'm friendly. I don't bite. Um, happy to talk about your team. Love talking football, love, love talking fantasy and, you know, you want to, you know, love talking, you know, prospects and talent and evaluation. So, you know, hit me up and we'll have a good conversation. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Make sure you're reaching out to Jeff. Reach out to me. I know I I still to this day try to respond to every time somebody asks a question. Obviously, sometimes like on busy weekends, like draft weekend or combine or stuff like that, sometimes things get lost in the shuffle. But for the most part, if someone reaches out to to me with a question, whether it's about your team, whether it's about a player, whether it's my thoughts on a player, I do make it a point to try to respond to every single person that sends me something on Twitter asking me a question. So please do not hesitate to reach out. Uh, I, I enjoy the interaction. I like learning not just from other analysts in the industry, but there's so many knowledgeable fans that have so many different unique takes that you know, saw something here, heard something there. It's fun to interact with you guys and it's fun to learn about some of the different leagues you're in and the, and the context. So please do not hesitate uh, to reach out with your questions. So on behalf of Jeff, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nicano and myself, thank you for joining us and I look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.